0: to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. This, this morning, uh, 2022 uh, is, a, is a brand new year. We are in the month of uh, what, February. Okay, Two months have passed. Uh, so I don't know uh, for you this year, what is, the, what is the good news that you are wishing to hear from the Lord? What's, the, what's the, 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 the good news that you most wish to hear from the Lord? Is it a new baby? Uh, Pastor Media? new baby? No? Uh, some of you don't know. Uh. How about a new house? Some of you are moving in a new house. Yeah? How about a new job? Praying for a new job? Some of you are transiting a new job. How about new health? You know, God heal my health. Uh, The only thing you cannot wish for is a new husband or a wife. That one is forbidden. Everything can be new. All right, so uh, recently we heard uh, Sweden. Sweden actually pronounced uh, this news, right? You know what did Sweden say? They declared that uh, the COVID-19 pandemic is over for Sweden. Wow. How you wish that this news can be announced uh, by WHO, right? Sweden 1, I think Bopakai, maybe in Singapore, oh, pandemic is over, or WHO said uh, COVID-19 is over, just like SARS is over, how we wish for that day to come, have not, it's been two years plus, right, how we wish to hear, hey, pandemic is over, now can, without masks, can walk all over the place. Okay, so uh, today we want to talk about a good news that is the best news ever, uh, that happened 2,000 years ago, and it's still true, it's the best news that we can ever hear, and it is the gospel. Okay, the gospel actually means good news. The good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. The best news that we can hear uh, for, for more than 2,000 years. And it's still true today. So the gospel, the good news is actually about what? About the kingdom of God. It's a message about the kingdom of God. Okay, maybe before we begin, uh, I will ask you a few quick questions. Huh? Okay, uh, just, just show me a raise of hands. Huh? Okay, imagine uh, this building collapse. How many of you here are 100% sure that you're going to heaven? One, raise your hands. Hundred percent sure, earthquake. Then this one drop. Hundred percent sure. Okay, a few hands. Okay. Uh, Second question: When you reach heaven's gate, uh, then God is at the gate and asks you, "Hey, why must I let you come into heaven?" What are you going to say to him? Are you ready with the answer? Yes, ah, ready, ah, okay, ready with the answer. Okay. So today my message is on this, uh, ah, the gospel. It's a kingdom message. Okay, the gospel is the best message ever in the history of mankind. So at, at the heaven's gate, okay, you, uh, there is this statement. Okay, uh, you, you come to heaven's gate and uh, God asks you, why should I let you come in? Okay, so, and uh, your answer uh, maybe uh, is, uh, is something like this. Huh? Uh, it's not enough to trust in Jesus uh, to be saved. I need to obey Him as well. Okay, I need to obey Him as well. How many of you would give God this answer? Okay, how many of you won't give God this answer? This is a wrong answer. How many think it's a wrong answer? At Heaven's Gate, the wrong answer. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Or one only? a uh? hey, uh, very good lah, Keev. Every week I ask this question, only he pull up. Who is the thing, wrong answer? This is a wrong answer. If you give this answer, you cannot go in. Wrong answer. Who says it's a wrong answer? Or Only Kiva? Hey, key is not bad, are you. Who thinks is the correct answer? When you go to heaven's gate, you say this, uh, I, I must trust in Jesus, I must also believe to obey you, then I can come in. Who, who says this is the right answer when you reach heaven's gate? Uh, some of us, some of us. Hey, what? Your heart got no answer. Uh? Hey, are you going to heaven or not? I worry for you, you know. Not this, not that, then. Are you going or not? How many of you are confident you are going? Let me see a show of hands. Hey, achalala, la, hey. Ah, You must be more confident. Ah. We're talking about gospel here, okay? Okay, you must be confident. Okay, so, so, so for those who say, oh, must obey, right? Okay, then not just trust, must obey. How many percent of obedience ah, then God allow you in? Into heaven. How many percent? 25% can already. Who said 25%? No. At least 25%. Correct? Not enough? Ah? At least 50%. Not enough. 100%? Eh, Bernie, uh, when you're 100%, you let me know. <laughs> Bernie say 100%, you know, That means she's sinless, uh, Bernie. I must learn from you, uh, one of these days. Wow, Bernie, very good, uh, you're very confident. 100% obedience, then then can go in. Then forever, don't you go in. And uh, Most of us cannot make it. Uh. We only see Vernie there in heaven. Uh. Okay, so how we responded to these few questions actually determine whether we really understand the gospel. Okay, uh, uh, and... I will, I'm, I'm just like you, you know. Uh, if a few years back you ask me whether this statement is correct, uh, I will tell you uh, that this is correct. I will agree wholeheartedly that this statement is correct. Okay, even though I've been a Christian uh, for more than 25 years, I've been a pastor more than 15 years, right? I will tell you that I agree with this statement. No problem, I, I agree. I say this is correct. But it was only uh, in 2015, okay, 2015, uh, I began to uh, rediscover the gospel. So I came across the writings of uh, this this guy called Timothy Keller. Okay, I know some of you know him. Okay, I came across his writings and his works and I began to understand that actually my understanding of the gospel right is actually not deep enough. I don't really understand the gospel. So even though I've been a Christian and pastor for many many years or uh, decades uh, I still really do not understand the the gospel actually. So I began to dive into it and uh, uh, because you know in Pentecostal circles right we are very good at teaching about the Holy Spirit uh, but when it comes to gospel we are not so strong. Okay, so I, I begin to learn and begin to understand what is the Gospel and in two zero five onwards, right, the Gospel actually had a very profound impact on my life. Okay, very profound. Uh, I will share with you more uh, later what is the profound impact. So because uh, the Gospel is the core message of the Kingdom of God, we have to get it right. Okay, if you don't get it right, actually, it, 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 it messes up your life. Not just your salvation, but how you live out your Christian life. So today, we want to appreciate What is the Gospel? Okay, and how it saves and transform our lives. Okay, uh, just by looking at the hands uh, just now, I already get a sense uh, that we don't really understand, just like me. I don't really understand at that time. So the big idea for us today is that the gospel, the gospel saves and transforms our lives. Okay, not just save us, not just for non-Christian, it saves and transforms our lives. Okay, so that's the big idea uh, for us this morning. Okay, so what is the gospel? Okay, what is the gospel? Okay, what is the gospel? Okay, the gospel is actually the, uh, I mentioned the core message of the kingdom of God. Core message. It is the essential, central message. Why do I say that? Because when Jesus came, uh, when Jesus first came, uh, we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, uh, it says, After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming what the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, so you realize uh, after John the Baptist was, um, was in prison, uh, the, the ministry of John the Baptist was to prepare people to receive, the, receive Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. So when he was in prison, okay, uh, his ministry ended, his calling was fulfilled and then Jesus rose up. Okay, when Jesus rose up, what happened? Uh, he began to, he do, first thing he did is what? Proclaim the gospel of God. This is the first time the word gospel uh, appears. Okay, the first time it appears is used by Jesus. Okay. So the word gospel actually comes from Jesus. Uh, it's not invented by man. He used the word gospel of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is what? It became a technical word. Okay, a Christian technical word because Jesus started using it is it is God's idea, not our idea. And this gospel is about what? The kingdom of God. It's the good news about the kingdom of God. Okay, so this is the core content, core message. The kingdom of God actually appears 160 times in the New Testament. That's a lot. 160 times. Uh, and Yahweh uh, is, is, the, is the king over Israel in the Old Testament. So the kingdom of God is actually the central message of the Bible. And the gospel is the good news about the kingdom of God. So we're going to unpack this theme uh, in the future in our sermon series, as well as in our small group study. Okay, So we are launching a small group study called Kingdom Foundation Series. Uh, it's an eight-session thing that you can join a small group to explore more. Okay, if you don't belong to a cell group, a uh, small group, I encourage you to join a small group and start the Kingdom Foundation series. So it's an eight-session thing. Uh, it's online. Okay, you can join the two cells that are going to launch it in March. Okay, the first week of March. Okay, what does it mean uh, that the Kingdom of God is near? What does it mean? The Kingdom of God is near. Sounds strange, right? Okay. Uh, John Piper actually helped us to understand. Uh, in this quote, he says. In and through Jesus, God the King. Okay, the King uh, is God. Jesus is coming in a way, a new way, into the world to establish His saving rule. Okay, His saving rule. What is the first thing He will do? First, He will establish His saving rule in the hearts of the people and their relationship by triumphing, okay, over sin, Satan, and death. First thing He rule in our heart. Second thing. Then, by exercising his reign, he gathered a group of people for himself in congregation that live as citizens of a new allegiance of the kingdom. He's gathering a church, a body, that represents or uh, gives us a glimpse of the community of the kingdom of God. Okay, and then, uh, third thing that he will do, he will come again a second time and completes the reign by establishing a new heaven And a new earth. So when Jesus comes, He rules in our heart, He starts a new congregation called the church, and then He's going to come a second time to restore a new heaven and new earth. Okay, so that is the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ is going to rule in our hearts, in our congregation, and in the world to come. All right, so this is the kingdom of God. So uh, uh, Jesus' action in the New Testament is basically to overcome. Uh, all the forces or enemies that He has and establish His reign in our hearts, in the church and in the world, alright? So it is not fully realized in the world yet. He's already started it. That's why it's coming. Okay, We don't see everybody healed. We catch a glimpse of healing. Uh, eventually, in the new heaven and new earth, uh, that's where God's kingdom is fully established, so what is our rightful response to Jesus? It says in, uh, in Mark chapter 1, it says, Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. What does this word repent mean? Okay, repent means to change one's way of life as a result of a complete change in our thought, our attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. So some of us say, "Hey, Repent, is this, is this uh, obedience uh, you know, that we talk about? Uh, no, this word repent is actually talking about a change in direction. It is about taking a U-turn. From walking towards the world, now U-turn, we U-turn, want to walk towards God. We are not perfect yet, but we are walking towards God. That's, that's uh, the meaning of repentance, walking towards God. Because the change of behaviour will take a lifetime. But we've decided to follow Jesus, and that is what it means to repent. And the word uh, uh, used here is belief, Repent and believe. So this word believe has to do with a faith and a trust in the gospel. Okay, so what is the gospel? The gospel is actually good news. Not bad news, ah. Don't go and tell people you're going to hell. That's not the gospel, Gospel is good news. Okay, what is the good news? Uh, Actually, this word good news is an Anglo-Saxon origin. It actually originally means God's spell. Okay, God's spell uh, or good spell. Okay, so it literally means good news. And in the olden days, when people used the word gospel, it just means a good news of a victory a celebration, uh, and uh, that's how they use it in the uh, in in the olden days in the Hebrew uh, before Jesus used it uh, in the Greek world. Uh, gospel just means good news, okay, uh, it, it, uh, of of something that has happened that is wonderful, victory. Okay, so in the Greek, basically the word is euangelon. Okay, euangelon means good news, and this word gospel actually occurs 93 times in the New Testament. After Jesus you it the first time, it occurs 93 times, very often. And it became a Christian technical term uh, that is first used by Jesus. That's where we get uh, our words evangelist, it's from Euangelon, we get our words evangel, we get our words evangelical, okay, it's from Euangelon. Okay, so it's about a, a piece of good news that happened 2,000 years ago regarding Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is, uh, uh, have you all watched uh, news before on, chat, uh, on TV? Imagine you watch the news, right, and then you off the, the volume, and then you off the subtitle. Can you understand uh, the, the news? Can or not? Uh, no volume, no subtitle, just look at picture. Can you understand the, the news that's on TV? Cannot, right? Very hard to understand, uh, you guess guess, uh, eh, what's happening, uh? Okay, so there is this popular saying, right? Preach the gospel. Use words if necessary. Have you heard of this uh, popular saying? Preach the gospel, use words if necessary. It means, ah, actually use your life is enough, can show people the gospel. Good testimony is enough to show people the gospel. Is it true? Is it true or not? Not true. ah. Very hard. It's important to have good testimony, but good news, you need to use words. Okay, so not, not enough just to have a good testimony, that's good but you need to use your words because you have to describe what happened 2,000 years ago. Good news. okay? So you need to use words. So in the Bible, uh, the, the gospel or the good news can be defined broadly. Okay, Broadly means actually the whole Bible is good news. Do you know the whole Bible is good news? Uh, the whole Bible is, is is good news. Why do I say that? Because the whole Bible is, uh, uh, is, is talking about what happened? What is the good news in the whole Bible? So there is, uh, there is this guy, his name, uh, this theologian, his name is called Hugh Welcher. Hugh Welcher, Hugh Welcher uh, basically talks about the four-chapter gospel. Okay? The, 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 the good news in the Bible is God created the world, then man fell into sin, and then you were, re- were redeemed by Jesus Christ, and then there is a restoration of a new heaven and new earth. Okay, so uh, Hugh Welcher basically say the Bible is not just the fall and redemption. Many a times you talk about gospel means, oh, Jesus died for your sin, you were a sinner, Jesus died for sin, you were saved. That's the gospel. So Hugh Welcher actually says it's more than that. Let's look at the whole Bible as the good news. Okay, God created the world and He's going to restore the physical world. So uh, Hugh Welcher actually say if you only focus on fall and redemption, what's going to happen? You only focus on the spiritual. Okay, means... Uh, saved by Christ. So Hugh Rachel actually, actually say, uh, not true. We need to look at it holistically because uh, many of you know that God just doesn't just value your spiritual soul, He values the physical world and He's going to restore it one day. Okay, so which means actually in your daily work, you don't just look at your prayer life and your devotional life. Your prayer, work, your prayer life, uh, your daily work actually is helping, participating with God in renewing the world, in helping the world to become a better place. Okay, And God is concerned not just with your soul, He is concerned with the physical world, your physical body, your physical world. So you play a part in your everyday work to make this world a better place. Okay, So you are participating in the renewal of the world. So he basically uh, gave a more holistic understanding uh, of, of what you do in your daily life. Take care of your physical body, take care of the physical world, Okay, Green Movement is good. Take care of the physical world. Take care of the people around you. Uh, And when you do that, people can see God's image in you. People can see that you are actually managers of God's world. And they say, yeah, that's a responsible Christian. That is a responsible person that tells me who God is. Okay, we are managers of the world. So, uh, Hugh actually gave a more holistic understanding of the gospel. So, the gospel is also not just a New Testament thing. It appears in the New Testament. But actually, it started from the Old Testament. Okay, remember uh, Yahweh? Yahweh is the creator of heaven and earth. Yahweh began to uh, the king of Israel. Remember, uh, he says, "You, you want a fish, uh, human king? No, no, no. I'm your king." So Yahweh is actually the king over Israel until king, the Israel said, "I don't want you lah. I want a fish, I want a human being." And uh, then Yahweh said, "Okay Lord, you want human being you sure or not? I give you Saul lah." So that's where they went downhill. So God is actually the king over Israel. And then we come into the New Testament. So it's not something new, it's a continuation of the story uh, that that Yahweh God Himself is King. Okay, so the good news, the good news of the Gospel is that God in Jesus Christ has fulfilled His promises to Israel. Okay, and that a way of salvation has been opened to all. So it starts from the Old Testament. The Old Testament has a lot of prophecies about this Messiah, this Saviour. Okay, and it continues from Old Testament to the New Testament. Hey, finally it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Not just the Jews are saved, but a salvation has been opened to all. So that is the broad definition of the Gospel. Okay, that is the broad definition of the Gospel. Now we go into what I call a specific definition. Specific definition means not just the whole Bible is the Gospel, uh, because when Jesus used the word gospel or when Paul used the word gospel, it is more specific, it's more narrow uh, to refer to the event of what happened to our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how Paul defines the gospel. Huh? He says, Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you receive, in which you stand, by which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. So what is the gospel according to Paul? I delivered to you of first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and then He was buried, He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So what is the good news? What is the specific good news when the New Testament used the word gospel? It has three aspects. First aspect we can see uh, from Paul's definition is first, Christ died for your sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for your sins. What does it mean? It means what? You are a sinner. Correct? now. If you cannot acknowledge you are a sinner, there is no gospel. The problem is you are a sinner. Second thing, you are going to die because you are a sinner. Death is your penalty. You cannot save yourself. The penalty of sin is death. And Christ died for your sin means somebody has to take your punishment. Jesus Christ died on your behalf. Okay? And because Jesus Christ died on your behalf, you are forgiven by God. So the first aspect of the gospel is Jesus Christ died for your sin. Second aspect of the gospel is what? Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Why is this important? When Jesus rose from the grave, it means that there is a person in history that has managed to overcome death, which is Jesus Christ. He overcome the enemy of death, overcome sin, overcome Satan. Okay? He rose from the dead means what? He is God. Because He is God, He is able to save you. If He cannot save Himself, don't believe in Him. He can overcome them. That's why He is able to save you and give you eternal life if you believe in Him. Second aspect, He rose from the dead. Third aspect of the Gospel is it requires a response. The response is what? Believe in the good news. Okay? Do you believe in the good news about Jesus Christ? Him dying for you. His, his, uh, his life, His death, His resurrection, do you believe in Him? If you believe what He has done, you will be saved from the power of sin, of death, and of Satan. Alright, so in, in summary, uh, uh, John Piper summarized for us, in summary, the gospel is the good news. Okay, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for our sins rose again, and He eternally triumphant over His enemies of sin, of death, of Satan. So there is now no condemnation for those who believe, but everlasting joy. That is the good news. Is it better than uh, the cure to COVID? Yes, right? That is the eternal good news. Okay, that is the eternal good news. And um, the essence of the good news is more than that. The essence of the good news is this. uh, He says, the greatest good of the gospel is not forgiveness, justification, or eternal life. As good as these are, the highest, fullest, deepest, sweetest good of the gospel is what? Is God Himself you get to commune with God, where in the past you were separated by a huge gulf. You get God Himself, you get a relationship with God Himself, enjoyed by His redeemed people. The gospel is the good news that God brought for us the everlasting enjoyment of God. Wow, how many of you are excited? Wow, of a relationship with God with no barriers. The curtain of the temple has been torn down. You can speak to God directly. You can enjoy fellowship with God. So that is the good news of the gospel. You get God. Wow. Okay, we are created to have a, a restored intimate relationship with God. The gospel itself is what? It's sacred. Okay, it's sacred. It's holy. Uh, why, why do I say it's holy? Uh, In Romans 1.16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. That is the power. Uh, It's holy, it's sacred. It has a potential to rescue, save somebody from eternal condemnation. Okay, that's the power, sacred. What else? Uh, The most important thing that has been entrusted to believers and the church is what? Is the gospel. okay? It's the most precious thing that God has entrusted to us. Uh, It says here, all this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He has what? Committed. He has entrusted to us, the church. Believers, what? the message of reconciliation, the gospel. And uh, we are there for Christ's ambassadors as though God was making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we hold in our hands the cure to COVID, the cure to sin, to death, to Satan. This message has been entrusted to the Church of Jesus Christ. We need to use this To tell people, we need to use this to share uh, to people that awesome good news. And in Galatians uh, chapter 1, verse 8 to 9, it tells us why it's so sacred. It says, If we or even an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be a curse. So curse how many times? Two times. Or are you scared or not? I'm scared. La. Okay, Cursed by man is okay. Cursed by God is scary. So if you take any word, any doctrine that deviates from the message of the gospel, God will actually curse you. Okay, so that is how precious the message of the gospel is and we cannot get it wrong. Okay, so that we, get it, uh, we don't get it wrong for ourselves, we don't get it wrong for others. We have to preach the right gospel. It cannot be changed in any way or form. So how do we be saved and be transformed by the gospel? Okay, how do we be saved and transformed by the gospel? Uh, we are very familiar uh, that the gospel saves us, but how does the gospel also transform us? So we read a very familiar passage regarding the gospel. It's found in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Most of the time, when we quote this, we only quote eight to nine, we don't quote 10. Okay, so that's the problem uh, in understanding the gospel. Okay, first, uh, how do we be saved by the gospel? By grace alone. Remember, in this passage, it talks about by grace alone. So in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. So the first condition of being saved is you must understand that it is by grace alone. Okay? Uh, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 64, verse 6, even your most righteous deeds, uh, acts, uh, are filthy rags before God. means your best attempt uh, at doing good works uh, are filthy rags. Why? Because it's always tarnished by what? Selfish motives, right? I do this, is it for yourself? Maybe. Okay, so so our, even our best acts are our filthy rags. So uh, w- there's nothing that deserves us to be saved. By our own merits, by our own good works, there is nothing. By our own obedience even, uh, it's tarnished. It is like, uh, the standard is the ceiling. Uh, not ceiling, the standard is the sky. Some of us can jump higher, right? Than others, right? Those uh, high jump people, uh, uh, maybe James can jump higher. Huh? Commando. He can definitely jump higher than me. But can reach the, the sky or not? Cannot. Because the standard is too high already. He can be better than me, but all of us cannot reach the, 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 the sky. Okay, We all fall short of the glory of God. The standard of God. It is too high. We cannot make it. Okay, We need somebody to bridge the gap. So if ever we receive anything, it's really by God's Grace, and it says here you are justified freely by His grace. This word "justified" uh, in Greek is called "diakao." Diakao is actually a legal term in the Roman court. Okay, means uh, in the Roman court uh, when he says you are justified, means you are declared not guilty, acquit you of your sins to remove, remove guilt. So in the court of law, uh, that's where you always use the word uh, "justified." So in the court of law, what do they normally pronounce? Either you are guilty or not guilty. That's called justified. Got half or not? Uh, maybe uh, 50% you are guilty. 20% you are guilty. Have or not? Don't have. The, the court, the, the, the judge has to decide either you are guilty or not guilty. Either heaven or hell. Got no middle one. Uh. No, no, no middle earth. Uh. No middle earth, okay. Okay, so these are legal terms. It's binary. Either you are guilty or not guilty. And uh, we don't deserve it. Only God can justify us. Okay, justified freely. Okay, and it's a gift of God through the redemption. Okay, the word redemption is a very interesting word. The word redemption is used when people go to the slave market. In the olden days, slaves are always property. You pay a price for the bond servant. Then you bring home. So redemption means I go to the slave market, I pay the amount for the slave and the slave can be free okay, to work for me. The word redemption is also a word that they use uh, for a kidnapping situation. Okay, you are kidnapped, I ask for a ransom, I pay the ransom, Okay, then you are free. Okay, so the word redemption is through Jesus Christ who paid the price for you to be free. So the first requirement is by grace alone. You need to understand you can never make it on your own. Every good thing that you do cannot make up for the huge gap. Second thing, through faith alone. Through faith alone. Uh, In Romans 10 verse 9, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with your heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Okay, so you notice here, By faith alone. What is saving faith? Saving faith means you need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, not just Savior, He is Lord. From the bottom of your hearts. uh, That means we need to trust Christ to direct your life. Trust Lord, uh? Master. You need to trust Him to take the steering wheel of your life. To say, hey, you are the Lord, let me follow you. That is saving faith, trusting in Jesus as Lord. Uh, It's also believing that Jesus rose from the grave. Okay, why is that important? It means uh, Jesus is not just any human being. He is God, He is deity, He is able to save us from the enemies of death, of sin, and of Satan. Okay, so saving faith is binary. It's either you believe or you do not believe. It's not progressive, it's binary. Do you trust Jesus? Okay, so for example, do you trust the chair that you're sitting? How many of you trust the chair? Yes, right? If not, you won't be sitting, right? you'll be half sitting like that because you don't know when the chair will form. Correct? Right? So you trusted the chair fully. It's binary. Either you sit or you don't sit. If you don't sit, then you stand. Right? When you all took the lift up this, this morning, do you trust the leaf? Yes. Huh? If you don't trust, you won't step in right? because you, you're scared you'll drop all the way, right? So it's binary. Either you trust the leaf or you don't trust the leaf. So it's binary. Okay? Uh, either you trust or you don't trust. So salvation is the same. Through faith alone, it's either you trust Jesus to save you, to be the Lord, or you don't. You can't build it up. Either you trust or you don't trust. Alright? So it's binary. And the interesting thing is, this faith is not just in an object. Huh? Okay? It's not just in an object, that, like a chair or a lift. It is in a person. Okay? In Christ alone in Christ alone. So every religion talks about you must do enough rituals, you must obey enough rules. Okay? To be safe. But only the gospel talks about trusting in a person. Okay? Having a relationship with a person in order to be safe. Okay, not how much you do, uh how good you are, but trusting in a person. You trust in Jesus Christ alone uh, to save you. Okay, and uh, in no other other person, you need to trust in this person because in Acts... Okay, in Acts 4.12, it says, salvation is found in no one else, in no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. So in other words... uh, Timothy Keller says this is not the strength of your faith. Ah. It means not what I, I I work up enough faith then I'll be saved. No 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 no. I, if I try hard enough like going to toilet I try hard enough my faith is there okay then I'll be saved. No 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 no. It's not the strength of your faith but the object of your faith that actually save you. Okay so don't try and uh, do that ah, not, not going to toilet ah. But who is the object of your faith that actually save you. Who is that object? It's not impersonal object. Ah. It's a person called Jesus Christ. Okay? So for example, can you enter the istana anytime you want? Can I? The only way you can enter anytime you want is what? If you know, know who? No, no president. If Halima Yaqob is your friend, no problem, lah. anytime you can go in, and uh, have tea, coffee, right? Okay? So, in the same way, right, uh, if you want to enter heaven, who must you know? Jesus. Ah. If Jesus say, I don't know you, you know me, uh, uh, but I don't know you. Eh. Okay? So, it's who you know. Okay? Who do you know? A person. So, for example, uh, how many of you take, grab, and on taxi one? Have or not? seldom ah. When you take a grab and taxi, do you know you are trusting a person? Do you know not? The driver, la. the driver can go crazy. You know, have a High attack, right? Every time you take a plane, who are you trusting? The pilot. It's the same. You are trusting a person eh, to make sure the plane don't crash. Same. When it comes to salvation, you have to decide who you trust. You trust yourself, you trust your good works, trust that you are good enough, you can earn it by your good works, then you don't need Jesus Christ. You do on your own at one corner. You don't need Jesus Christ. You work hard enough, ah. obey all the 10 commandments, do everything. You must do sweet, sweet, yeah? You cannot make any flaw. Then you trust yourself, you don't need Jesus Christ. But you must decide, I trust in Christ alone in order to be safe. All right? Very simple. The object of your faith needs to be Jesus Christ. And it's not by works. Okay? Not by works. Uh, In Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have belief in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Okay? If you try, you can try. But it says, No one will be justified. Okay, uh, you cannot make it by your obedience, by your good works, how, many people you, how much money you donate to charity, uh, it will not save you. So there's no reason to boast because it is the gift and the work uh, of God. Uh, and do you know what's the best way to insult somebody who gave you something? You know what's the best way? For example, uh, I give you a Mercedes. I don't have the ability to give you a Mercedes, huh, but let's assume. Huh? I give you, not paper, one, a real Mercedes. Huh? I give you a Mercedes. You know what's the best way to insult me? You take it out from your wallet, Then uh, you start giving me $1, $10, note and then say, hey, let me pay for it, la. Don't like that la. Let me give something la. How ah? Uh? Will you feel insulted or not? Yes, sir. So when God give you salvation, right? Then you say, eh hey, God Pay lah. La. Let me let me try to pay you back lah. Then you do some good work and say, hey, I pay you back. How would God feel? Ah? You insulted him. When all you need to do is thank you. I don't deserve this. I don't earn it by my good works. Thank you. I won't give you my 50 cents, one dollar. Okay, because it's not by works. You have given it to me freely. Thank you. My life will not be will, will, will be different because now I'll use the Mercedes to ferry others. Thank you for giving me Mercedes. Okay, it's different. The response is totally different. It doesn't belong to me. Let me use it to bless others. Very different. Okay, so the, the, the gospel is not legalism, which is very common. Uh, you know, I obey, therefore I'm, I'm safe. It happens in the Christian world many times. Okay, in a in Pentecostal circle, it's the same. Oh, you, know, you must win, Jesus, win, win the, the world for Christ. You must do, you must work until you drop. Then maybe you're good enough. Maybe you are pleasing to God. Maybe God loves you more. Maybe God will bless you. That is what? Thinking by legalism. Some way you can make God love you more. Some way you can make God bless you more. That is legalism. That is not salvation. That is not salvation. Uh, And and salvation itself is to produce life transformation. It is to produce life transformation. Uh so some people say, wow, so easy, yeah. Believe uh, to Kelama, cheap grace. Because so easy one. Wow, ten years ago I received Christ, and then now I don't do anything, I'm a sinner, I do whatever I want. So easy, man. To be safe, so cheap. Yo, are you sure? No? People say if it's too good to be true, right? It's usually correct, right? That's why Singaporeans are very hard to be Christian sometimes. What wow, too good to be true, la scam, lah. Is this a scam? Sounds like a scam. La. Nowadays got a lot of scam, right? I got So good one. Cannot be, la. I cannot be. Okay, uh, it must be a scam. Okay, so uh, there are there are some Christians who fall on the other spectrum, la. They say, oh yeah, I'm just saved by faith, you know. That means uh, I can do anything I wanna. Correct or not? Uh, don't talk to me about sin. Nah. I'm saved already, you know. I don't need to have faith. Yeah. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to live my life. I'm saved already by grace uh, alone. By faith alone in Christ alone. Yes, amen, amen. That's called what? That's called what? Uh hyper grace. Okay, hyper grace. But in Christianity, okay, there is this thing, huh? In Christianity, we are safe. We must come to verse 10. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But don't forget verse 10. Verse 10 says what? For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Is it funny? eh? Just now, verse 8 and 9 do not by good works. Then how come suddenly verse 10 talk about good works, huh? Ayah, Paul, I think you see now already, you contradict yourself. Uh, one verse later, uh, why talk about good works? Uh, what are you trying to say, uh, Paul? You're confusing me. Uh. Okay, we forgot got verse 10. Okay, the sequence is very important. Eight and nine need to come first, then verse 10. Because a true saving faith, right, will produce what? Good works which God has created, predestined you to walk in. So sequence very important. So uh, nowadays, there's this thing called hyper-grace. I'm sure you're familiar. Huh? Grace teaching. Huh? Wow, you know, uh, hyper-grace means what? yeah, I'm safe lah, then. No need to obey. Lah. Hyper-grace. So in hyper-grace churches, uh, they don't talk about Ten Commandments, don't talk about the laws of the Old Testament. They just talk about grace only. So do you know why it's right and wrong? No, lah, I think I'm okay. The Holy Spirit never tell me it's wrong. Okay, they don't preach about anything that talk about the law or the Old Testament. Even the Ten Commandments, say hey, that's, that's uh, bondage. Okay, But the Old Testament tells us where we are sinful. Then we can change. Ma. Okay, so in the hyper-grace, you don't talk about laws. You just talk about grace. But that leads to people who say, I'm safe. Ah. I can do anything I want. But that is not the Gospel. The Gospel must include verse 10. In verse 10, basically, it talks about, I am safe, therefore I obey. Okay? There is a natural byproduct, a natural fruit of receiving the Mercedes. And you receive Mercedes, what? You become very what? grateful. You want to use this blessing to bless others. Very natural. The, the only reason you don't bless others is because. You don't appreciate the Mercedes. Ah. You thought, ah, yeah, this one, nothing. No. Okay? But when you receive a Mercedes and remember a good gift, you want to use it to bless others because you receive it uh, uh, with no, no string attached. Okay, So saving faith actually produces the fruit of good works. Okay? That's why in, uh, in, in James it says, faith without works is dead. James is not contradicting Paul. Ah. What, what James is saying, if you have faith, it will produce good works. And then Jesus says, hey, don't call me Lord, Lord. Because I don't know you. Why? Because he says, you did not do the will of God. Jesus is not contradicting Paul. What Jesus is saying is, if you know Jesus as Lord, Lord, you will do the will of God in your life. Same with 1 John uh, 3.9, where it says, whoever has been born of God will not continue sinning. Okay. So how do I know your faith is real? How do I know you have genuine saving faith? how do I know you really appreciate the gospel? I can't tell. I look at your face or oh, I can't tell whether you have saving faith. I can't tell. I can't tell. Who really believe in God? I don't know. The only way I know is what? I look at your fruits. That's the only way. Are you living a life of obedience? Are you living a life of good works? Are you living a life where you pursue the will of God? If you are, I can see genuine saving faith coming out from your life. Because it shows that you trust in Jesus. Okay? That's the only way uh, that I can know. So the sequence is very important. The sequence is you need to know that you are loved unconditionally, saved unconditionally, accepted unconditionally. Then you begin to live out from that grateful heart. Okay? A, A changed life. That's very different. That's the motivation that's very different from any other religions out there, and that is the essence of the gospel. Okay? God loves you, accepts you unconditionally. Okay? Receive that good gift, that, that gift that you can never repay. Uh, so, so the gospel ought to transform our lives. It ought to change our life because you we'll received something that is amazing, it's, it's very precious. So many times we say, gospel, Pastor, why are you preaching our gospel? Not evangelistic service. there? Eh? Not asking non-Christian to raise their hand. Eh? I, I know all this, Pastor. But we forgot that actually the gospel has the power to transform our daily lives. Not just to convert us 20 years ago. It has the power to convert our daily life. Timothy Keller says this, the gospel is not just the ABC of our Christian life, but the A to Z of our Christian life, the A to Z. It affects every area of our life, not just when you were saved. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, When Cyphus, Peter, came to Antioch, I, Paul, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their behavior was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to cyphers before them all, "If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Here the Apostle Peter, you know he used to eat with the Gentiles together. But then there's a group of Jews coming uh, together with uh, James. They came, and then because of peer pressure, he began to separate himself. Uh, he started to eat with the Jews only, and not the Gentiles. Okay, And uh, there was a separation. So uh, his behavior influenced even Barnabas and the rest of the leaders. Uh, and and he's, he's telling the Gentiles, hey, your behavior uh, is not Jewish enough, uh, not kosher enough. So you cannot eat with us. You may contaminate us. Okay, uh, you need to follow Jewish custom, Jewish laws uh, in order to eat with us. So uh, Peter himself was acting in a way that violated the truth of the gospel and Paul had to scold him publicly. Well, can you imagine? Okay, that that is not how you walk according to the gospel because the gospel says what? We are one in Jesus Christ. We are all Christian by not, by, by, not, not by what we do, not the dietary law or circumcision. We are one by faith in Christ alone. Why are you separating yourself? Why are you being prejudiced against the Gentiles? You are not living according to the truth of the gospel, which means the gospel must impact our daily life, not just our conversion, but our daily life. And uh, that is the power of the gospel. If you get it, it will transform your everyday life, not just your conversion. Uh, Keller says the power of the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dare believe, and yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we ever dare hope for. So the gospel means we must be both. We must know that we are wretched, we are worms, we are the worst of sinners on one hand. At the same time, we are unconditionally loved and accepted by God. On the other hand, that is the gospel. That is the state of our own hearts. So for myself, uh, when I discovered more about the, this gospel, it slowly changed my heart. Okay, I, I'm, I'm we, are, we are all works in progress. I'm not there yet, but the gospel began uh, to change my heart. How does it change my heart? Uh, let me just uh, share how it changed my heart. First, in my personal life, uh, my self-worth and my communion with God used to be dependent on my spiritual performance. Okay? So for example, if uh, on the days where I have a good devotional life, uh, I'm able to preach well, I'm able to share Christ, I'm able to pastor people well, what happens? Then my, my self-worth go up. And then my communion with God go up. Okay? Because I believe I did well. But on days when, you know, I sin, on days when... I don't do my devotion well. On this. when I don't preach well, my self-worth and my walk with God falls. Pastor, you know, I'm a pastor. So my, my, my spiritual life is roller coaster, you know. Depending on how my ministry is doing, how my personal work is doing. Very destructive. Eh? It made me very anxious. It caused me even to go into depression because everything is based on my performance. So I realised, hey, there's something wrong with how I live my Christian life. And I came back to the gospel to know that, hey, I am a beloved child of God, unconditionally loved. How much God loves me is not dependent on my ministry performance. Then it helped me to love God, love myself, love others, more unconditionally, because I have received God's unconditional love. Then I begin to be more rested, and serve from a place of security rather than a place to always gain brownie points with God. Second thing that it affected was my relationship. Uh, in the past, you know, I look at somebody, I assess them. I do a scanner uh, very fast. Son. Oh, this person, uh, tsk, cannot. Uh. Then I look down on them because, wow, capability or something about them, not good enough, got flaws. So I will look down on them. Hey, you all don't do that, right? only me. Uh, you all don't do that. Uh, only me. I only, I only have this problem. Then all those people are very capable. Wow. I will admire them. Superior. You know, I feel they're superior. So I look of people either inferior or superior. Okay? Uh, that's how I assess them. Then I realised, hey, that's a very uh, destructive way of looking at people. So it began to affect my relationship, including uh, even family relationship, spousal relationship, or, very, or pick on uh, you know, my wife's flaws or mistakes. I said, wow, she's really not good enough. Huh? So I began to say, hey, something is wrong with my heart. How can it be? How can I do that to people? People are made in the image of God. They are loved by God. God died for them. But that's how I'm treating them. So I realized the gospel hasn't changed my heart. I haven't come to a point where I say, God, I'm so rotten, but yet you love me. I can love others. So I begin to go deeper and say, God, I'm so rotten, but you love me. Help me to see the beauty of God in others. I need to love them because they are your children. Uh, And that begins to to transform my heart, to be able to love others more, uh, more unconditionally. Not there yet. uh, uh, Because God loved me unconditionally. Third thing, it affected. It has to do with ministry, uh, do it work, high grace, high standard. In a secular world, very high standard. If you cannot make it right, if you don't do it well, right? What do they do? They will sack you. The company will close down. High standard. But in the church, what do we do? Church is what high grace. Nai la ken la okay one so we 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 let things slip because you say we must care for the person, you know, never mind. La. But do you know that we are serving the King of Kings? Do we know that when when God uh, gave the instruction to build a temple of God, the specifications are always use the best material, and it's precise, detailed, one and you know? all. Because why we are serving the King of Kings, we must give God excellence. Okay, and that's the gospel. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Speak the truth in love. So there must be both. Then you can reflect the gospel. You can reflect excellence at the same time, high grace. Hey, how are you doing? It's very difficult, but never mind. Let's keep going. Don't burn out. Let's journey together. So the church, the ministry work need to be transformed by the gospel. In your workplace as well. How do you have a workplace of high standard and high grace? then you can transform your workplace. You can transform yourself as a manager, how you treat your people. Okay, don't swing to the extreme because the gospel helps us to balance both. And that is the beauty of the gospel. I want to invite the worship team to come forward as we close and summarize. So in summary, the gospel is not legalism where you need to earn it by your good works, where you obey, therefore you are safe. The gospel is also not hyper-grace, the other extreme end, where because you are saved, you know, there's no need for you to obey. You know, just, just do whatever you want. But the gospel, if you understand the preciousness of it, it's like the man who, who uh, found the pearl of great value. Uh. He found it. What does he do? He sell everything. He buy that pearl because he found something precious. It is the same as the man who went to the field and then he realized, hey, this plot of land, uh, got one treasure box in, inside there. If I can buy this land, uh, I get the treasure box. So he sold everything he had to buy the plot of land. So the gospel is like that. If you realise the, the immense treasure of the salvation, the eternal life, the communion with God that God has given to you, right? If you really appreciate that, everything else becomes not so important. Because you get to be with God. And because you get to be with God, you have experienced that unconditional love, the unconditional grace. It gives you the power, the energy, the engine to say, hey God, because you love me unconditionally, help me. I'm selfish, but help me to start loving others unconditionally. Help me to serve you unconditionally. Help me to love myself unconditionally. So that my heart is transformed from the inside out by the gospel. And not by just outward compliance, doing out of a sense of duty, doing it because nobody is doing it. But God give us a heart that is transformed by the gospel, Lord. So that we can serve you from the inside out, Lord. So that we can serve you because you have given us your very best, your Son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, Lord. So that in return we can give you our very best. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we, we, we pray. We are far away. from a heart transformed by the gospel but I pray this day you come and grip our hearts once again, O Lord by the gospel. I want to pray for two groups of people here this morning. If you are here in this congregation and you say, Pastor, this is the first time that I understand the gospel. This is the first time I understand the saving faith that allows me to come into your kingdom. And this morning, you say, I want to receive, I want to believe that gospel of the kingdom of God. I want to believe that you died for me. I want to believe that you rose from the grave. I want to confess you as the Lord of my life if that's you I just invite you to quickly raise your hands to the Lord and I want to pray for you yes the Lord sees your hand anyone else say this morning I understand your gospel I want to give my life to confess you as the Lord if that's you just quickly raise your hands I want to pray for you this morning yes the Lord sees your hand as well I don't deserve it. But this morning, I'm crying out to you to say, I am a sinner. I need you to save me. I cannot save myself anymore. If that's you, just raise your hands wherever you are. Say, I need you. I believe in you to be safe. Is there anyone else? Hallelujah. I want to pray for this two brothers who have lifted their hands Father I pray for them right now even as they raise their hands as a confession of their faith say Lord come and be enthroned in their lives right now in the name of Jesus that there's nothing that they can do to earn your salvation but you have given it freely to them unconditionally O Lord Hallelujah, Lord. Assure them this morning that they belong to You and their salvation is secured in You, O Lord. I pray for them right now that the gospel will grow in their hearts, O Lord. That they will know that they are saved by faith in Christ alone, O Lord. Touch their lives. Transform them this day, O Lord. Second group of people I want to pray for is this morning you're saying, Lord, let the gospel transform my everyday life. Let the gospel transform my heart from the inside out. If that is your prayer, just raise your hands to the Lord and say, Lord, do a deep work of the gospel in my heart this day. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yes, the Lord sees your hand. Yes, many hands. The Lord sees your hand and Say, Lord, do a deep work of the gospel in my heart. If that is your prayer, just raise your hands to the Lord the Lord sees your hand and will honour that desire yes the Lord sees your hand hallelujah Lord yes many hands Father I pray this morning give us a renewal an understanding of your gospel in our lives transform our hearts from the inside out oh Lord our deceitfully wicked hearts our deceitfully selfish hearts O Lord that by your Gospel, help us to love unconditionally because you have accepted us unconditionally, Lord. Help us to see your people, help us to see your work through the lens of your Gospel, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Come and be enthroned in our hearts, O Lord so that You'll transform our hearts from the inside out. Thank You, Jesus, that You died and rose again for each one of us, O oh Lord. We praise You. We worship You that You have entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, Your message, O oh Lord, that we hold dear in our hearts and that we will propagate it as a church to the ends of the world, oh Lord. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's give God praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's arise. Let's arise and begin to worship God. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for listening to this series. We hope that you are blessed. If you would like to go deeper with us, head over to our website at maranatha.sg for more information.